Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. This is a production of ITM Media. Hello, race fans. You are in the right place if you like anything NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, or anything with an engine and wheels propelling itself down the road, man and machine together. You are within the Marbles Weekly Racing Podcast, episode 83. I'm Matt Beamer. Preston Lude couldn't join us, nor could Charlie. So for the next 45 minutes or so, you're just going to be listening to my lovely voice here. It's bringing you all of the weekend's action from the Richmond Raceway Grand Prix of Alabama and Formula One race from Imola getting you geared up for more racing from Alabama, more specifically Talladega Super Speedway and from Florida, the St. Petersburg Grand Prix for IndyCar. But I hope everyone's doing well out there and in the Marbles Nation. To be honest with you, I'm very excited about what's going on here with IT Media and in the Marbles. We're gearing up for Darlington. We got a lot of stuff planned for that. If you guys follow us on social media, you have seen our Flag that we bought already. Make sure to check, uh, be on the lookout for that at any racetrack we plan to go to as far as Darlington, Pocono, and 
maybe even Charlotte here. We don't know about Charlotte. Yeah, that's still up in the air right now for us here at the show. But if you see that flag there flying in the tailgate section, come over, have a beer with us, have a drink, and let's just talk racing. And we're going to have a lot of fun. we got a lot of plans going on there. As far as everything from this end, everything's fine. My wife is good, working hard, and I'm working hard as well at the firehouse. And things can't be any going any better for us, I dare say, here at the World of the Beamer House in South Carolina. But I hope everything is well out there for everybody in, in the Marbles Nation. And looking forward to an exciting weekend of racing coming up. It's been an exciting year so far. And whether you're listening to us on the Unhinged Sports Network or your regular podcast, we are glad that you're taking the time out of your day, whether you're driving to work, coming home from work, or just sitting around the house and you want to hear someone talk about racing. We're glad that you're here joining us, and we're glad for all the support that we have gotten in the 83 episodes that we have done so far within the Marvel's Weekly Racing Podcast. Everyone here associated with the show is very happy with it, and big things are happening with ITM Media as well. Again, Preston's not here, so I'm just going to have to carry the show, which is no problem whatsoever. I don't mind sitting here talking racing with everybody out there. And I've only got one piece of news, so we're going to go ahead and just hit the ground running and get into the news. And the news here at In the Marbles, of all, as always, presented by Fubo. Cut the cord with expensive satellite and cable providers and go with Fubo. You can sign up for your seven-day free trial by heading over to inthemarbles.net under the Partners tab. All the way there at the bottom, you'll see the link to Fubo. Check it out. It's free to try. And with the seven-day free trial, what do you have to lose? So go ahead, sign up for that seven-day free trial. It's a streaming service just like YouTube, but you get all the TV and stuff included with the DVR. Really can't beat the price. So go ahead, give it a shot if you want to. And the one piece of news that I have, it's kind of disappointing, actually, because this weekend was supposed to be the Cup Series debut of Jennifer Joe Cobb at the Talladega Super Speedway in the Cup Series for Rick Rare Racing. And unfortunately, the sanctioning body there at NASCAR did not approve of Jennifer running at Talladega this weekend in her cup for the cup series race and at first i really thought it was in response to what happened during the truck race between herself and norm binning but that really had nothing to do with it according to nascar section the nascar rule book i should say section 3.11.1.1.b try saying that five times fast drivers must outline their previous racing experience to the nascar resume committee in which they will determine the driver's approval for competition now i look at this one of two ways one is kind of like a kid coming out of college and having you know the education on there she's not an a rookie by any sense as far as racing goes since she's been racing in the truck series since 2008 only made a couple starts in 2008 2009 and then it started looking like racing in full time in 2010, all the way up to the current season of 2021. Does she have the best record in, in NASCAR as far as the truck series? Not at all. But I go back and think of it like this, and I had a long discussion with Charlie Herkus about this because he's the one who sent me the article and we got into this big talk about it, and I'll tell you more about that here in a second. In my opinion, when drivers like Jennifer Joe Cobb, who've been racing in the truck series for a long time, she has many laps under her belt as far as competitive racing in the truck series 
If she would have been just a flash in the pan, she would have been gone a long time ago, I dare say, around the 2009-2010 season. But she has stuck around in her whole own team. She owns that team, Jennifer Joe Cobb Racing, there in the truck series. So she's trying to make a name for herself, and I dare say she has made her name for herself in the truck series in the past 12 seasons that she has been racing. Her results don't reflect it, but I think that has to do with the fact that maybe she doesn't have the support that she needs. She doesn't have the support like a Kyle Busch Motorsports does coming in, bringing in all that money a Thor Motorsports does in the truck series to where she can race competitively and be able to run up front. And a lot of it does have to do with equipment. And if you look back on last year's Bahrainian Grand Prix when Lewis Hamilton sat out with COVID and George Russell took that spot, a lot of it has to do with equipment. A driver can drive if they're in good equipment. However, if the equipment's not there, the driver's not going to be able to excel well, for lack of better words. Running up front and being competitive and putting themselves in the box, as Benny Parsons used to say when he used to call races for TNT. And I look at this, and I think this is Jennifer Joe Cobb's way to make her first Cup Series start and to maybe put herself out there for somebody to take a chance on her, maybe invest a little bit more money, sponsors or teams like a Hendrick or a Joe Gibbs Racing, even a Kyle Busch Motorsports, to take a chance with her and possibly do well. You know, again, for lack of better words. But she doesn't have the experience. And so NASCAR said, nope, that's a no-go. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was. It has to do with the norm bidding thing. It's like, no, nah, you, you're a little too crazy out there. Or whatever the excuse might have been, if that were the case. But that's not the case. Jennifer Joe Cobb deserves, I feel, to race in the Cup Series. At maybe, if not at Talladega, somewhere else. I think Rick Ware should take a chance with her somewhere else. But I go back to the college student analogy. Just getting out of college and you have that resume where you have no experience. But people and companies want that experience in order to get a job. In, or in this case, NASCAR wants that experience in order to race. And I understand Talladega is a super speedway, pack racing, one mess up. You could take out 20 cars. I get that. However, if you don't put the driver out there, and she's raced Daytona and Talladega before in the truck series, so she understands the risk. She understands the basics of drafting, I would think, after 12 years in the truck series. Then why not let her race? And that, and that's kind of where I'm going at. You gotta have you gotta have allow people to get the experience. You, I don't know the exact number of races it takes in order to qualify for a chance to race the Cup Series at Talladega. I don't know whether you need Xfinity experience. I'm sure you do need Xfinity experience at Daytona and Talladega in order to race Cup Series at Talladega. But I don't see the problem. I bet if Ty Gibbs wanted to go up there and race Cup Series this weekend, I'm sure Joe Gibbs would have found a way to allow him to race this weekend. I don't know. It's just me. I'm kind of saying let Jennifer Joe Cobb race. I think it's a missed opportunity for NASCAR in order to promote the race. Hey, we have the first female since Danica Patrick racing in a Cup Series race. It would have been good marketing. If I was a track promoter at Talladega, I would have said, yeah, let Jennifer Joe Cobb race. That would have been my point. It would have been a good selling point to maybe sell some more tickets for Sunday's race at Talladega. But Charlie brings up some good points, too. After he sent me the article, you know, <laughs> It's so funny because, you know, I said that's a bummer for her. She's raced enough truck races to be able to drive a Talladega. That was my initial statement to Charlie. And Charlie said, except for the fact that she can't drive with a little thinking face emoji. And I said, or she has poor equipment. And it's just a big back and forth. I'm just going to read you everything because I think it's funny. Charlie stated that I feel I feel you have to look at the safety side of it as well. She's been in a number of incidents or calls them. Fair enough. I mean, we I, I said mentioned that earlier. It's a safety thing. Maybe it's not the best idea to throw a green driver out there on the track who has never raced in the Cup Series before 
behind the wheel of what's going to be a 550 restrictor plate engine running in the pack going 200-plus miles an hour into turn three at Talladega, and you don't know how to handle the car, or the air does something crazy, you take out half the field. I get Charlie's point with that. But then I, I went back, and I said the obvious thing that I feel like everybody's out there thinking about this. I said, you can say the same thing about Danica Patrick, and she drove in all the races. She didn't even start in the truck series. She went right up to Xfinity, I believe, or ARCA, and then right up to Xfinity, and then right up to the Cup Series, and she never, in my time watching Danica Patrick perform to the level, or at least to time. Jennifer Jo Cobb has more seat time in a NASCAR-sanctioned race than Danica Patrick does. So that was my response to it, and I think it's a very valid response to it. Charlie said, very true, but she performed very well at the lower ranks. The Cup Series is just on a whole new level that she isn't ready for, and neither was Danica. The point, but then why does Danica get a shot at the, at the top series? Because she's an IndyCar driver coming over from IndyCar, who's won a race in IndyCar, but now has an opportunity to race NASCAR, and she goes out there and starts from the pretty much at the Super Speedway race at Daytona right off the bat in a stock car, not a truck, a car. Then I said, well, who can say that? Jimmy Johnson ran very poorly in the lower series with lack of team equipment and funding though won a race at chicagoland in 2001 in the bush series the inaugural race here at chicagoland in which charlie responded and charlie always going back to this and i respect the guy he's not here to defend himself so i'm not going to say really anything much about it but he did say that charlie uh, jimmy johnson did not cause caution or create cautions and cause accidents all the time either and i think i said the one that real really kind of changed his mind and again charlie's not here and i'm not going to speak for him but i said true jimmy johnson caught a break though with hendrick motorsports and jeff gordon and i felt like every driver needs that one chance and that one break this could have been jennifer jennifer joe cobb's break and i would really like to have her on the show one day to talk to her about this because i think she's 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 constantly up there she doesn't run the best but she's like one of those feel-good stories that the stories that maybe preston likes to uh, root for the jennifer joe cobb's racing the underdogs of the sport and i think jennifer this was one of Jennifer Joe Cobb's opportunities to race in a cup series race at Talladega. And at Talladega, it's a wild card race. Anybody could run up there competitively. What if she won? What if she finished second? Then everybody all of a sudden would say, what a great driver this is. An untapped driver, the diamond in the rough that people need to invest in. And maybe she goes somewhere with it and it becomes the first woman NASCAR powerhouse driver in the history of the sport. I dare say not even Danica Patrick reached that pinnacle because it got to the point where the hype did not match the on-track performance. I feel like this could have really been something special, but it's neither here or there. I could go down the rabbit hole and probably talk for another 30 minutes about this and just how disappointing I am, disappointed I am with that. I don't know if she'll get another start an opportunity to start here in the next few weeks or so at another track, maybe a Kansas, maybe a Texas or something. I want to see her on the track. I, I, I really enjoy watching Jennifer Joe Cobb race. I don't know about you guys. I, she's just an underdog. I really like cheering for her, but it's just unfortunate. But NASCAR has the rules in place for a reason, so people like me don't go up and buy a Cup Series car and race Daytona and think I know what I'm doing and take out half the field. But that's just me. What a bummer. All right, before we get into the race week in review, just wanted to remind everybody out there about our online tours, teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles from now until the end of April. If you use code APEX, 
you'll get 20% off of your order. And that's from anything from t-shirts, hoodies, everything you can think of. And if you don't see something you want on there, you could go ahead and tell us and we'll get it up there for you. But that's teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles. Or you could go into the merch tab on our website in the marbles.net. And again, if you use code Apex, you get 20% off your full order between now until the end of April. So make sure to take care of that for the sports show. Help you help us bring better content, help us get out there more and do stuff. And just really good conversation started when you're out at the tracks and in the marble shirt. And people ask, what's that? And you tell them about our podcast. It's a good way to promote the show. But that's teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marble. Again, from now until the end of April, use code Apex for 20% off. All right, now we're going to get into what I feel like was an up-and-down weekend for not just NASCAR. I got my own opinions about NASCAR coming up here, and we will definitely get into that as the show progresses. We're going to start off with the Formula 1 race from Imola. Max Verstappen winning his 11th career win, dominating the race. He started third, and the start was amazing. The start was under wet conditions. Hamilton didn't get a good start, got swamped by the Red Bulls of Sergio Perez. And Max Verstappen. And Verstappen didn't even look back. Lost the lead there right when they were transitioning over from intermediates, which were the green wall tires for a little damn track, over to the slicks tires, the dry tires. Just lost the lead there to Hamilton for one lap. And the over- overcut, undercut didn't work for Hamilton. And Verstappen took the lead and never looked back. Winning the race over 22 seconds. Over second place, Lewis Hamilton. And got to give a big congratulations to Landon Norris in that McLaren. Finishing third. A crazy podium right there for Staff and Hamilton. Norris, no surprise there from Lewis Hamilton. But Lando Norris just got past there with Hamilton with a handful of laps to go. I think it would have been way cooler to see Hamilton not even finish. He, he almost didn't finish the race. Got stuck there in the wall. And for some reason, didn't get penalized for backing up onto the track. But he did it safely and where nobody was around him. So, But Mercedes just kind of had abysmal week. And you go to lap 32, and that's where everything fell apart. Both halves did not have a good qualifying run, nor did he have a good race. He was at the time of the accident where uh, George Russell and Valtteri Bottas got into that accident. He was racing for ninth. First of all, a Mercedes racing a Williams for a position in the points like that, a ninth place finish. I never thought I'd see the day. I thought Mercedes was the dominant team in Formula One. Apparently, the only one dominant in Mercedes is Lewis Hamilton. I don't know what happened to both halves. It was just an abysmal end to an abysmal weekend. From what it looked like, they were going down the front stretch. Valtteri moved over to maybe put a, make his car a little wider and make it a little more difficult for George Russell to pass. Now, George Russell and Mercedes has a history together. Of course, being back in Bahrain in 2020, where when Lewis Hamilton got COVID, George Russell took over for Hamilton and had a really good race. Didn't win. It was a botched pit stop. Again, I I keep going back to that, but it was one of those things where I feel that that shouldn't have happened. That's not Mercedes-like, but we go back there. George George Russell goes wide right, hits the grass, hits both halves. They end up wrecked. The red flag came out. Everything was stopped. There's a bad wreck. And you can look at it one of two ways. One, Valtteri was protecting his position, trying to gain anything he could in order to stay in the points, not only for himself in the championship, but for the Constructors' Championship with Mercedes. And George Russell seeing the opportunity 
to put Williams in the points. You can't blame him for making these aggressive moves. And I wouldn't even say it was an aggressive move. I think he just overreacted, hit the wet grass, lost traction, hit Botas, and took them both out. I think it was just a racing incident. But Russell wasn't happy with Botas. Of course, listening to ESPN's little driver blips of it, you heard Valtteri go, what the heck happened? That was a hard hit. I'm okay. And George Russell going crazy. You know, why the heck did he do this? Why did he do that? Russell went over to Botas, and it looked like he was going to say, you know, hey, man, my fault. Are you okay? That's my bad. But he started kind of pointing the finger, and then it's something that I haven't seen in a long time in the Formula 1 televised broadcast. Valtteri Botas told George Russell that he was number one, and use your imagination to figure out how that looked and turned out was really funny, actually, because I love seeing the raw emotions of that. That was like the most exciting part of the race. And I think that was the part of the race where Preston texted me saying, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And I just got out of church at the time, so I couldn't really respond to it. And I had to get home, watch the DVR. But I figured something bad happened. And I was thinking something happened at the start. It usually happens at the start. But racing for ninth, you can't blame Russell. And I think Botas was doing what he needed to do. It was just a racing incident. I love the way on you could look on debates on Twitter and Facebook on saying George Russell did this or Valtteri Botas did that. I think it was just a racing incident. And I think that's really what's missing from Formula 1 is those racing. racing. And Russell saw the opportunity. I could see where Preston could get the idea that Formula 1 is fun. You just have to look at the field battles in the bigger picture because George Russell saw that bigger bigger picture towards the end of the race, maybe even getting a top 8, top 7 out of it. And gaining points for Williams, who need points desperately to help themselves in the Constructors' Championship. Not that I can see them losing against a team like against Haas or something, because Haas is having an abysmal season with Mazepin and Schumacher. And I think that's just a position Haas is in right now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I, I think it was just a racing incident. Long story short, it was just a racing incident. But here's how I rated the Formula 1 race from Imola. Memorability 7, Excitement 6, Unpredictability 4, Competitiveness 5, and Intensity 5. Overall rating of 5.4. Again, a race, in my opinion, is two drivers going door-to-door. They're at the end line. Last weekend's Formula, or last Formula 1 race from Bahrain was way more fun because it was actually within a second of each other. This, this one, Verstappen won over Lewis Hamilton by 22 seconds. The strategy played out, though, is a good race as far as transition from wet to the dry conditions. I thought it was going to be raining all day. And then that run-in with Russell and Botas, I thought it could have gone either way. But 5.4 is my overall rating for the Formula 1 race from Imola. And now we're going to get into the IndyCar race here. The Honda Grand Prix of Alabama, Indy's first race of the 2021 season. Alex Palou scoring his first IndyCar win with Chip Ganassi racing. Straight up dominating the race, 56 to the 90 laps led. And I don't know about you guys, but my eyes were on two drivers. Marblehead Connor Daly, who finished 16th. 
and Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time Cup champion, NASCAR Cup champion, going over, retiring at the end of 2020, going into 2021 in the IndyCar ride for Chip Ganassi, finishing 19, three laps down. But as he tweeted, he didn't finish last. He learned a lot. A lot of attention was on him post-race. He said his conditioning and his training worked out well. And it was a, it was fun watching him. It's it's weird watching Jimmy Johnson, first of all, race something that isn't the 48 Chevrolet with Hendrick Motorsports. But what an opportunity for Jimmy. And if he's doing this just for fun, I think he's having a great time. Of course, he wants to win. But I think throughout the season, we're going to have to wait. And like Connor Daly said on when he was on the show with us, give him till halfway. Let him learn and finish. It. He, he finished 19th. He didn't finish last, like he said. Good day for him. But crazy part of the day was a crash on lap one where Joseph Newgarden got loose. Uh, he said he got loose off of the dirty air. And like we talked about with Connor Daly, go back and listen to Connor Daly episode to get a kind of a more insight on this. But the air hits you, right, and you overcorrect, and you just get loose. And even an experienced driver like Joseph Newgarden got loose and turned in front of the field and collected himself and Ryan hunter Ray took them both out of the race, not even finishing lap one. Unfortunate for those two, but that's just racing. And I, I have to say this, looking at the Formula One race and the IndyCar race, and I guess you could even lump NASCAR into this as well, road course racing is not my thing especially when it comes to the open-wheel series like Formula 1 and NASCAR. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just the fact that these cars, as far as Formula 1 and Indy cars, open-wheel cars, let's just say, are designed to have that clean air. That gives them the maximum amount of downforce, maximum amount of power, and drive off. It's just not fun for me. The most exciting parts of these races are the starts and after a full-course yellow comes out in which the pace car or safety car Come out, collect the field, slow everything down, bunch everybody up, and even then, it rubber bands fast. It's just not my thing. I don't much care for it. I, I don't know. I, what do you? I, let me know what you guys think on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, because I, I'm I'm personally not a fan of road course races. And talked about this a little with Connor Daly again, going back to his interview, where oval tracks attract me more especially with indycar racing because that's exciting that's on the edge that's one loose car loose turn something happens where you step over that edge and you go into the wall at 200 miles an hour that's scary to me because there's no stopping it whereas a road course you kind of wiggle and slide and get off the track and yeah you could say make the argument that road course racing is good for indycar but road course racing isn't my thing especially with open wheels just not a lot of fun I don't just let me know what you guys think because if it were me, I would do limited road course races, and we'll have to see what's going on with NASCAR's road course future here this year with seven of them being on the schedule. That's just me. Road course racing isn't my thing, but here's how we rated the IndyCar race: memorability four, excitement six, unpredictability four, competitiveness five, and intensity five. Four point eight for the IndyCar series. Not the best starts in IndyCar season, but that's just my opinion. Let me know if you disagree with me. Some might say that was an awesome race ran by Alex. Others like me might say the excitement wasn't there. Either way, let me know. It was an interesting race. It was good to see IndyCar back. Let's just say that. I had a full day of racing. My wife wasn't too happy about it, but I, we had a full day of racing here this weekend. More to come later on in the future. And now we're going to get into NASCAR. We're going to start off with the truck race. The Toyota Care 250 John Hunter Nemechek dominating that race, leading 114 laps and 
on his way to his second career win in 2021. And this is where I said Jennifer Jo Cobb might have had an issue with, or NASCAR might have had an issue with Jennifer Jo Cobb racing at Talladega before I knew about the sanctioning body's decision on her resume. With 74 laps to go, Jennifer Jo Cobb spun Norm Benning in retaliation from an earlier incident where Benning spun Cobb. Both incidents brought out the 7th and 8th constants of the race. Now, I didn't see the accident because at the time I was going to one of our friend's children's birthday parties and I was listening to MRN, and MRN said it best. They were racing for, I believe they said 26th and 27th or 37th, 38th. They weren't in contention to even break the top 20 in positions. And one of the announcers said it on MRN. He said, both drivers are just looking for attention at this point. Couldn't agree more. I think it was based on what I saw. Benning came on the first caution where Benning spun Jennifer Joe Cobb. Jennifer Joe Cobb was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Benning washed up the track and spun her out. Total accident. The following caution, it was a clear retaliatory. Jennifer Joe Cobb turning right, spinning Norm Benning. Jennifer Joe Cobb didn't finish the race due to a damaged vehicle policy. But it was just one of those things where I thought Jennifer Joe Cobb could have gone the high road right there and maybe showed a little bit. And I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with NASCAR's decision. It's like, oh, we don't want her racing in the Cup Series because, heaven forbid, a Kyle Busch does something wrong to her, in her opinion, and she takes out one of our biggest stars and hurts him. Retaliations always seem to end in nobody winning and somebody getting hurt usually. Didn't agree. I didn't like that with Jennifer, but it is what it is. I'm sure she got her slap on the wrist and maybe a fine or something. I didn't even find anything about that. At least a stern talking to from NASCAR. But honorable mentions in the truck race. Grant Infinger finishing eighth, leading 71 laps, and Johnny Sauter finishing fifth. So the Thor Motorsports guys flexing their muscles right there. Again, John Hunter Nemechek for Kyle Busch Motorsports winning that race. I'm just glad to not see Kyle Busch win it. And here's how I rated the cup or the truck race. Memorability 7, Excitement 7, Unpredictability 4, Competitiveness 6, and Intensity 7. Overall, 6.2 for the truck race at Richmond. Now the cup race, the Toyota's owner's 400 from Richmond. And Alex Bowman scoring a surprise win over Denny Hamlin. Hamlin dominated the race, leading 207 laps of the 400. And what was a dull, boring, uneventful short track race where NASCAR hyped this up to be an exciting, door banging, fenders crunching, spinning out, retaliatory race. It was so boring. And I have to say this. I have to go back to episode 38 of the show, and this keeps coming up. This is the squeaky wheel that needs to get the grease from NASCAR. And by all means, share this episode if you know someone in NASCAR and let them hear this because this is so true. And you hear this all the time. But I feel like we've kind of started figuring it out first here and in the Marvels. This is from episode 38. And I'm going to let you guys hear this. You've heard it before. If you're a longtime listener to the show, at least twice listening to that episode and another episode involving Bristol last year, Bristol's fall race. But here it is, episode 38. Episode 38. Big changes for NASCAR. And the only reason I say that, it wasn't your typical, I feel, Marshall. Something's changed in the driver's mentality. Mm-hmm. It isn't like bumping. and it, They still rubbed and bumped and did all that. But it seems like these cars aren't on the edge anymore. It seems like if you got bumped in Martinsville five years ago, you're spinning. 
Yeah. Now, which is fine. I mean, I don't really big. I'm not really a big fan of cautions. But towards the end of the race, you're like, I want to see something exciting. Let's. Well, I think the I think it's because when you say to the point that you know five years ago or so when you would get bumped, guys are spinning out. The cars are more almost like square nowadays. You guess you could say the the front bumpers. Yeah, it's, you got a point. So that that may be why there was. So, it, yeah, there probably wasn't a whole lot of bumping. Bump and runs or whatever, but I think that might have to, honestly, I think it might have to do with not having any fans either. Of course, we had fans in the stands for the Richmond race this past weekend, and and that was from uh, Martinsville 2020 when we when NASCAR went back to Martinsville following the COVID policies and everybody not being at the track with just essential personnel, pretty much the start of the pandemic. But you listen to that clip, and, and the same thing applies for Bristol as it does for Martinsville as it does for Richmond and fans are screaming been screaming in NASCAR for years we want less mile and a half tracks and more short tracks however if these trends continue I don't want to see any more short tracks I when, when NASCAR promotes these races being short track races they promote beating and banging you always see this you never you never ever see the promotional videos of any races just showing cars going around clicking off laps. You never see that. You always see the Cowboys spinning out Dale Jr., the Rusty Wallace-Jeff Gordon feud in 2001, the Ricky Rudd-Kevin Harvick feud from, I believe, 2003. You see these intense moments being built up and hyped up for these tracks, yet in the past two seasons, since 2020, I feel more so, you don't see that. You see everybody, it it could be the square bodies on the car. It could be the drivers taking it easy. And I've said it before on this show, if I was FedEx, I would have loved to see Denny Hamlin catch up to him in turn three and bump him, being Alex Bowman, out of the way after he got past coming off of two, instead of just sitting there and saying, oh, I got nothing for him. I don't know. I feel like drivers are leaving it on the track, and I'm not a driver. I'm not. I'm not going to claim to be one. I'm not going to claim to know what Denny Hamlin was thinking at the time he got passed by Alex Bowman in the closing laps of that race. Maybe, I mean, and Hamlin's having a very consistent year. But man, I I don't know about anybody out there listening to this show right now. I'm a race fan first, and I want to see the fun stuff. Charlie said it last week. He said as a a driver, and, and this was talking about Martinsville, as a driver, yeah, you're going to protect that position and go and do whatever you can to keep defenders on and go. But as a fan, it was a boring race. And unfortunately, this is the trend we're going. I'm dreading going back to Martinsville, Richmond, or Bristol. Even though I got tickets for the fall race coming up here at Bristol this year. I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the fact that are we going to sit here and watch 38 cars go round and round and, and that's the point of racing, and I love the atmosphere and being at the track. But you go to a local short track anywhere on a Saturday night, Friday night, and you're going to see some action. You're going to see these guys beating and banging in order to get to the top to put their name out there. I think these drivers are starting to turn into the NBA where their name's already up there. So it's like, if we win, great. If not, we finish second. I'll settle with second. When does settling for second ever enter into the mind of a Racer and Denny Hamlin was frustrated, but at the same time, I you can't. I oh, gosh, if, if I was Denny, I would have put Bumford at Bowman, seen what happened. He dominated that race and he felt like he just let it go. 
whether he just got wheel spin on the start or whatever, I feel like it just wasn't typical short track racing. Short track racing hasn't been the same for a while. Gone are the days of bump and run, ladies and gentlemen. And here are the days where it's like, just let him go, and I'm just going to let him go and do stuff. Because heaven forbid if Denny Hamlin bumped another Hendrick car out of the way to win. That would have made me want to buy his his merchandise more. That would have made me want to pull for Denny Hamlin more this season. I mean, he had a little run-in with Chase Elliott in Martinsville, I think it was 2019 or 2018 in the fall race there. I didn't see Hamlin doing anything wrong. The Chase Elliott fans saw Hamlin doing something wrong. But that's the aggressive racing I miss from NASCAR. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Let me know in our social media feeds and stuff whether you agree with me or not. Because it's just one of those things where I feel like it could have been, the race could have been better, but it could have been worse at the same time. But anyway, congratulations to Alex Bowman winning his first race in 2021. And it was funny because his spotter said he broke Derek Cope's tie of most career cup race wins. And he did winning his third race in his career. First race in 2021. Eighth different winner. The playoffs are shaping up great. Hopefully, we're going to have a great playoffs this year. I'm thinking it's going to be. Hopefully, we can get qualifying in at least for the final 10 races of the season because I'd like to see where that play pans out and stuff. But we'll just have to wait and see on that. Honorable mentions here. Eric Almirola in the Stuart Haas Racing number 10 car finishing 6th. Matt Benedetto finishing ninth, And Austin Dillon finishing 10th. Those three drivers needed great runs, especially Eric Almirola. And that Stuart House Racing Ford, that whole company needs a, I don't know what their problem is, but after Kevin Harvick had a tire go down wreck and they're bringing out the final caution, Eric stepped up, getting a top 10. Just a great day for all those guys. Again, congratulations to Alex Bowman. And here's how I rated the Cup Series race. Memorability 7, Excitement 6, Unpredictability 8, Competitiveness 7, Intensity 7, all the grief I gave about it throughout the course of this segment right here. Overall rating is 7. But I have to give the race of the weekend to the Truck Series race because it was short track racing the way us as NASCAR fans want to see short track racing. The beating, the banging, the cautions, good racing, and just an overall good race. And again, the Truck Series doesn't fail to disappoint, and it didn't fail to disappoint this week. As far as upcoming races, we got no Formula 1 race. And we're going to be racing from the 2.66-mile oval there at Talladega, Alabama. The famed Talladega, Alabama. Cannot wait for this. This is always a track I feel like all fans have circled on their calendars. Love to make it there one day. We got the Geico 500 Sunday, April 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox. The AG Pro 300 at Talladega Saturday, April 24th at 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And IndyCar will be racing the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg Sunday, April 25th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. And those are our upcoming races. Looking forward to each one of those this weekend. NASCAR and IndyCar should be a lot of fun, especially Talladega. Make sure to check out our pre-race show on Sunday, April 25th at noon, exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network for Race Day Unhinged for everything you need to know regarding the cup race at Talladega. Fantasy picks, who to watch out for. Should be a fun episode. Can't wait for that. But make sure to join us on the Unhinged Sports Network exclusively at noon on race day, April 25th at noon. Preston, before we move on with our show, I want to remind everybody about our partnership with Fanatics, who is a partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, thus a partner of us here at In the Marbles. 
If you head over to Indemarbles.net under the Partners tab and scroll to the bottom, you'll see a link to Fanatics. It'll take you right to the race page with Preston. You don't have to just stop there. If you're a fan of hockey, you could get Washington Capitals gear there or for yourself, Vegas Golden Knights gear. But you could get whatever you want to feel your sports needs at Fanatics. If you click on the link, it will help out the Unhinged Sports Network and thus helping out in the marbles, bringing you guys better sports quality no matter where you're at, no matter what sport you like. And if you want to listen to the Unhinged Sports Network, it's unhingedsn.com. Or you can just click on the link under the In the Marbles Unhinged section of the page, and it'll take you right there. You can listen to the Unhinged Sports Network anytime, day or night. We're going on 24-7. So make sure to check that out for all your sports gears need, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, especially racing. But So head over to Fanatics right now and get your sports gear needs for whatever sport you like. Folks, I'm surprised I did not bring this up during the news section of our show, but figured we could catch it. And the flip side of the final thoughts here, since it is final thoughts, we could give you all the wrap-ups before we head out. Forgot to mention, and again, I'm surprised I forgot to mention this, the inaugural Miami Grand Prix coming next year in 2022. It is official the Miami Grand Prix to join the Formula One calendar for 2022 with an exciting new circuit. It's going to be amazing looking. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to be my ticket next year. That's going to be the hot ticket to get. I'm going to start saving up for that. And the Marbles will bring you exclusive content from there. Hopefully, as close as we can get you to the action. Can't wait for that. Miami Grand Prix in 2022. Let me know about your thoughts on that on Twitter and Facebook. And now the final thoughts segment of the show. We wrap up. We always start off with In the Marble 2.0 standings. And if you listen to our race day show, Preston does our fantasy standings for In the Marbles 2.0 as far as who to pick, who to watch out for. And I do DraftKings. I was up there doing well in DraftKings until Kevin Harvick crashed out. And then all of a sudden, whoops, I'm out of the money. So if you didn't win any money this weekend, that's my bad. I, if it helps any, I didn't win any money either. I wouldn't have won much, but I wouldn't have won enough to keep going there. But in the Marvel 2.0 standings as they stand, we the winner will get at the end of the year the $100 Amazon gift card. And Matt Camper still in the lead with 1,718 points in a commanding lead over SMR Operations, who is Preston, with 1,662 points. SMR R&D... It has 1,625 points, 43 in me, 1,565 points, unhinged racing, 1,520 points, S-Blades, 1,492. I'm still staying there, holding the middle of the ground in 7th place with 1,480 points. Summer's Racing, 1,468 points. Smoke and Woody, 1,432 points. Chuck, 8384 1,388 points. Fun 3, 1,122 points. And I want to say Shake and Bake is kind of out of it or hasn't been participating much in the past weeks because he's sitting there at a 817 points. I don't know what to say. He, he's just one of those guys. I don't know if he's doing it anymore. Shake and Bake, get on it, man. Then we get into our driver of the week. Our driver of the week this week is British Formula 1 driver Jim Clark. Born March 4th, 1936, which is my wife's birthday, March 4th, not 1936, but she was born March 4th, in Scotland, 
and died April 7th, 1968 at the age of 32 due to a racing incident. He was active between the years of 1960 through 1968, drove for the Lotus Formula One team, has 73 starts, two championships in 1963 and 1965, 25 wins, 32 podiums, 255 career points, 33 poles, and 28 fastest laps. His first race coming at the 1960 Dutch Grand Prix and his last, way, and his last race coming in the 1968 South African Grand Prix, first win in the 1962 Belgium Grand Prix, and his last win coming at the 1968 South African Grand Prix. And he died in West Germany. And the way Jim Clark died was on the fifth lap of the heat race, Clark's Lotus 48 veered off the track and crashed into the trees. Clark suffered a broken neck, a skull fracture, and died before reaching the hospital. The cause of the crash was never definitively identified, but investigators concluded that it was most likely due to a deflating rear tire. Clark's death affected the racing community terribly with fellow Formula 1 drivers such as close friends Graham Hill and Jackie Stewart all being personally affected by the tragedy. And there was initial speculation that as to whether the accident was caused by driver error or a deflating rear tire, as the investigation stated. Many drivers, including Jackie Hill, Jackie Stewart, I apologize, were convinced that the crash was caused by a deflating rear tire and that it was not driver error, simply because it was believed Clark was not capable of making such mistakes, according to Andrew Marriott of the Classic Journal Motorsports who was covering the race as a young reporter, deaths in the sport of regular occurrence these days back in the 60s, but surely someone of Clark's sublime talent and skill. People reckoned that the rear tire had deflated and that there was another theory that the mechanical metering unit of the Cosworth FVA engine had seized, causing Clark's crash. And now for this week in NASCAR, ladies and gentlemen, we go to April 16, 1972, David Pearson slips past Richard Petty with 93 laps to go and speeds to victory in the Rebel 400, Rebel 400 at Darlington Motor Speedway. It is Pearson's first start with the famed Wood Brothers Mercury team. David Pearson, Silver Fox, slipping past Richard Petty with 93 to go in 1972 at Darlington, where we'll be in a couple weeks at the throwback weekend for NASCAR. And, folks, that is our show. Thank you for, again, taking the time to... Listen to me ramble about racing here for the last 45 minutes or so. Really appreciate it. And since I have nothing else, folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I want to thank everybody again so much for tuning in to us this week here at In The Marbles. Make sure to head over to InTheMarbles.net for links to all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For the latest and greatest from the world of auto racing, Really appreciate you being here. Want to thank our partners real quick. Dr. Squatch, Flag and Anthem, Fubo, Fanatics, and Stand Up to Cancer for all they do, not only for In the Marbles, but for the Unhinged Sports Network at work well. For Preston Lude, who is not here, I am Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.